0: Good afternoon, everyone. My name is uh, Sebastian de Montessu. I'm the CEO of Endeavor Mining. Uh, Endeavor Mining is the uh, leading West African Gold producer, uh, one of the top 10 gold producers in the world, uh, but focused geographically in West Africa, operating six mines, uh, target to produce about 1.4 million ounce, uh this year, uh, one of the lowest audience sustaining costs uh, in our peer group. And therefore, generating strong cash flow, allowing us to pay healthy dividend to our shareholders.
1: Uh, yeah, I saw the headline: forty three percent increase, up to one hundred million bucks. Uh, we better hit us with the kind of first half numbers, because uh, there's a few things I want to I get stuck into with you.
0: Well, I think in terms of uh, you know the, the key uh, the key theme behind the uh, the Q two results is uh, a very strong uh, operational performance. Uh, again, well placed. Uh, Probably compared to the rest of the sector to uh, uh, meet our guidance uh, for the 10th consecutive year. Uh, So, reiterating our guidance for production and also our guidance for cost. Uh, Overall, for H1, uh, our audience sustaining costs were at 900. Um, We've been able to generate a very strong cash flow, uh, ending the quarter with a net cash position of uh, $217 million. And on that basis, we were able to uh, increase uh, significantly our dividend by 43% compared to last year, uh, distributing $100 million for H1 uh, to our shareholders and uh, another minimum $100 million uh, for the second half of the year. So a total of $200 million that will be distributed in dividend for uh, H1 and H2.
1: Okay, you seem to be bucking the trend because um, most uh, companies that come on and talk to me about the inflationary pressures that they are facing, market pressures are facing, uh, costs going up. You are at the lower end of your ASIC um, guidance. How are you managing that?
0: Well, I think it's a, it's a combination of uh, of several items. I mean, first of all, we're not immune. I mean, to uh, to the inflationary environment, uh, we do face some uh, some inflation. Uh, if you take, for example, fuel price, uh, I think that's a uh, Total impact of about 50 to 60 dollar an ounce, uh, so it's significant, and we see that across a number of uh, you know chemical supplies. I mean, to the uh, to the mine and to the production. Uh, but on the other side, we are able, I mean, to uh, improve because we've got young assets. We are able to uh, improve uh, our operations. Uh, we are able to uh, improve our working capital. Uh, there is a lot of efforts which is put on uh, operational performance uh, and also on continuous improvement. Uh, we're also benefiting from uh, a, a nice, I would say, uh, FX impact, uh, because we operate in French West Africa. That means that, uh, you know, we're back to the euro. Uh, 60% of our cost base is back to the euro. Uh, so we've been uh, benefiting from uh, a lower euro versus, uh, versus dollar, uh, which had, uh, you know, positive impact also uh, in uh, in Q2. So overall, I think it 's all about uh, you know putting the right efforts to be able to compensate for those inflation
1: okay but okay you 've always been a slave to the numbers i mean you, you always deliver it like quarter after quarter you 've always delivered but you know with with cash coming in, you can afford to do things better right you can you can pay pay to improve processes and systems and so forth equipment et cetera. But the cost side of thing, f x is one thing i guess a a, a lot the fuel is doing what it's doing all across the world. Your The cost of personnel, I suspect, is going to be lower than elsewhere in the world, but what else are you doing to kind of keep those costs down? Because you don't want to be like cutting um, Cost for the sake of cutting costs and affecting or damaging your potential further down the line, can be it's something that we 've seen people taking shortcuts so what, what are the things that you 're focused on?
0: Sure, I think uh, a big part is in fact uh, you know, better performance at some of our mine sites uh, you know, we've got, uh, over the years we 've been able to uh, you know, to get uh, a portfolio uh, with an overall uh, average low audience sustaining cost uh, we 've got three key mines. If you take uh, an asset like Sabah de la Massawa in Senegal, which is producing, you know, over 350,000 ohms at less than 700, uh, in sustaining cost, uh, we've got our two historical mines, uh, and which are in Burkina and in Côte d'Ivoire, uh, which this year are, you know, uh, producing, uh, uh, the plant, I mean, is uh, the throughput has been increasing and therefore helping to reduce audience sustaining cost. You know, both mines might reach up to nearly 300,000 ohms of annual productions for each. So we still have, you know, levers uh, in our portfolio uh, to be able to uh, increase the performance uh, of our mines. Uh, so it's not about just, you know, trying to reduce costs for the sake of reducing costs. It's really driving better performance across our mine sites.
1: Right, and I guess what I'm trying to get at is, like, you know, how much of this is of uh, the heavy lifting has been done for you, you know, if if you're producing increased grades, that that's going to do some of the heavy lifting for you in terms of driving the ASIC down. But if it's Increased performance from your team. That's, that's the bit that interests me because it suggests there's something that can be done in the future, applied in, in the future to some of your other portfolio projects where it may be uh, more of the organic growth. So that, that's why I'm kind of interested in it. But here's the question I want to get to. So numbers are good. You're dishing out dividends. I think you, you, you talked about, you know, a huge um, share buyback of like 38 million bucks so far in the first half of this year. That's all good, right? You're you're finding the best way to deploy capital, but it, your share price has been affected like everyone else, right? So you, you're doing the share buybacks, you're working at these huge huge dividends, um, you're producing a lot of huge frustration. Lot, with huge frustration. New sure, frustration. I know, but it's it's it, I'm gonna, again, I'm just just as an investor looking out, and, and and I'm trying to say, well, I've got to pick the best companies. Yours. On paper, sounds fantastic. I'm getting big dividends. You're doing share buybacks. You're producing a lot of ounces. You're throwing off a lot of cash. You're in con- you seem to be in control of things in West Africa, where, you know, there's a, South America seems to be doing its best to shoot itself in the foot more broadly and even, you know, difficulties in tier one jurisdictions like North America. Um, it's all going swimmingly, but yet the market is nervous. It's risk off. It's cash in hand. Even for a company like yours, it's super frustrating, right?
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, that's exactly you know part of the discussion we had you know with the board. I mean, on the board we've got you know uh, two two significant shareholders that uh, uh, controls nearly you know twenty seven percent of the company, uh, and they're frustrated, which you know you can understand. But at the same time, they look at you know are we doing things correctly? And I think the answer is yes. How are we doing compared to the rest of our peer group? And I think that since the beginning of the year, with the second, you know, best performance, or you know, the the less underperformance, uh, I may say, you know, for the sector uh, since the beginning of the year, after Yamana because of the acquisitions that they are, uh, you know, going through with uh, with Goldfield. So, yeah, I would say that uh, you know it's frustrating, but uh, at, at the same time, um, if you're doing the right things, you know, there is a point where the market, you know. Uh, um, comes comes your way, uh, so we just need to continue like that. And one other thing I would just wanted to highlight on on the question of uh, um, how do we mitigate inflation and so on, you know, uh, we we acquired, I mean, two companies, Semaphore and then Tiranga, over the last uh, two and a half years. Uh, so it takes time, I mean, to continue to turn around and improve around those assets that we acquired. What good example is uh, you know Wanyu? Um, we have a policy where we uh, we grow local talent, uh, so we do. Uh, grow as much as we can local talents. Um, Teranga, for example, was uh, at one of their mine sites, Wanyo, uh, they were operating with about 75 expatriates. We're now down to less than 40 uh, because we've been able to turn around you know, the mine site and, and bring on board uh, very strong local management teams. That in itself, I mean, is good for the operations, is good for the uh, you know stakeholders that we're employing, but it's also very good on the cost side. Uh, you know that's straight. You know four to five million dollars saving, and this allows to compensate for a lot of inflation. So what we see around this, you know, inflationary environment, it's all about how much you know effort you put in trying to continue to improve your operation. You just can't say it is what it is. Inflation is going up, my cost is going up. No, I mean you've got a lot of leverage, but you need to put
1: a lot of efforts into it. So either you do it or you don't. Okay. So who's selling? Because what what I, what I, what I want to understand is, should I be thinking more like an institutional investor and be sitting and riding out this cycle because the fundamentals of your story are good? Or if it's, you know, and therefore if it's retail selling, I can understand that there are different pressures in terms of, um, you know, disposable income, discretionary spend, et cetera, or nervousness more broadly. But if there are institutions selling, why would they? I think, you know, one of the, one of the
0: key area that, uh, you know, we, when we look at the, uh, the Gold sector um, is the uh, extreme volatility that uh, we've been through over the last uh, you know, six months, uh, which means that when Gold price goes down, I mean, equity goes down, uh, but the same way, I mean, if Gold goes up, you know, equity goes up. And I think that uh, what we're probably on the verge is, you know, seeing uh, Gold price going up and therefore the best Gold equities uh, to significantly, significantly outperform. Uh, the uh, the gold uh, the the gold performance so you know my my advice would be you know pick the companies that you think on the long run not just for one quarter or two quarter have consistency in delivering you know results uh, that's the only way to uh, be immune to the high volatility in the sector because if you pick the best ones you know that you know compared to the sector you'll be doing better uh, and uh, and if your vision is that you know gold should go up then you've got the right uh, uh, the right investments in your in your portfolio.
1: Okay. So if I if I look as you said it, it's kind of all relative in, at the moment. You know, your your peers are down. the good companies are down, the bad companies are down, your peers are down, you you you're down at the moment. How, are you inclined to take advantage of the situation because you're in the rarefied air. You're producing a lot of cash, right? You've talked to me in the past that obviously the smart way in terms of return on capital invested is organic growth, but in an environment like this, are you tempted to look at some of these, um, well, let's call them stra- stranded projects, i.e. whether it be cash constrained or the fact that the markets are just not in their favour at the moment, maybe you could pick something up cheap. Is that Have you changed your thinking yep. or have you opened your mind to, to that sort of thought?
0: I think Gold price environment doesn't change uh, really uh, are thinking around uh, you know, strategy. Uh, our preferred route remains uh, clearly uh, organic growth because this is where you get the best returns. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, we are lucky enough or blessed enough to have, and, and we've been working a lot on having uh, a significant, I would say, pipeline of growth projects, uh, which means that we're not short of ideas you know, uh, for the next uh, the next few years. We're currently building the expansion of Sabah de la Massawa in Senegal. Uh, We just announced that uh, we will uh, publish uh, our DFS for our greenfield project, La Figue, in Côte d'Ivoire in the course of Q3. So we've got two significant projects which are coming up nicely. I mean, two projects that will continue to provide uh, significant ounces. I mean, La Figue will be around 200,000, 250,000 ounces for more than 10 years at below 900 all-in. So all those projects are contributing to maintain, I would say, our low cost. But at the same time, we continue to be opportunistic. You know, if there is something that comes up you know, that is uh, you know, appropriate for our portfolio, the only thing is we're not seeking uh, you know, to just grow for the sake of growing in terms of production. It's all about, does it improve the quality of the portfolio? Uh, so you know, if it meets you know, our return on capital employed targets and it can improve the quality of the
1: portfolio, then yes, of course, uh, we will look into it. Okay. Well, let's talk about that layering. Okay. So, um, Sabadala, Masawa, DFS came out in Q2. You've got the Lafayette, um, DFS coming out in Q3. And it's going to give you a good, a good sense of the kind of costs involved for these things. And, 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 I'm just wondering in this environment, you know, do, you, how do you play it? Because, you know, you could delay that capital allocation, um, because it just doesn't make sense at the moment and wait to see how this inflationary environment plays out.
0: No, oh, it's a, it's a very good question. Uh, you know, initially, I mean, the market was expecting us to come out with construction decision for those two projects at the beginning of the year. Uh, and we've been delaying them, uh, simply because, uh, we wanted to make sure that we had a proper control on our capex and we didn't want to see, uh, you know, launching a project and then coming back announcing that, uh, suddenly capex are up 20%, 30% or delayed. Uh, so, uh, instead of coming out with those two construction decision, at the beginning of the year, uh, we only got, I mean, the first one, Sabadola Masawa, uh, at the end of March, you know, at the end of Q1. Um, what is interesting, and for me, it's a good example of how we're seeing for the next one. Is so far we've committed about a bit more than 30% of the capex, uh, and we haven't seen any increase compared to our budget. Uh, which means that when you are smart, I mean, you are able to uh, contain, I would say, this uh, inflationary environment. Uh, so, uh, for Lafigue, I mean, we said, you know, we need more time because we need to uh, work around uh, the capex and we need to make sure that it does meet all the criteria that we want for uh, greenfield projects. I think we're getting there. Uh, you know, I'll give you one example. We had initially a $15 million cost uh, for the camp uh, for La Figue. Uh We were able to find one at $6 million, which was uh, sitting in Turkey, which was initially for Rio Tinto that they uh, decided, I mean, not to move on. So, you know, by being a bit smart and, and finding the right ways, you know, we were able to reduce then you know, more divide by two, uh, you know, just one line, you know, in this capex line. So, yeah, we're getting more and more comfortable that, uh, you know, when we will come out, you know, for this second construction decision, uh, you know, we'll have enough certainty around our ability to deliver on target and on time.
1: So can we, can we just come back to something you, we, we hit upon earlier, which was this kind of West African factor? Because again, with my investor hat on, that's why, that's why I like having these conversations and need to understand where's the best place to deploy my capital, which is there. We've seen some real negative stories coming out of South America, out of Mexico, out of Ecuador, out of Peru, out of um, you, you, know, a f- you know a few other countries in, in South America. We've seen delays on projects, First Nations issues um, in both Canada and the US in these tier 1 jurisdictions. Um, Africa, in terms of doing business, are you are you intent on staying focused on Afri- Africa because that's what you know, or are you staying, are you fixed on Africa because it's easier to do business there?
0: I think you know you always need to assess you know where is your competitive edge uh, you know versus our peers uh, and uh, you know clearly I think we've got you know a strong understanding on how to operate uh, in West Africa in particular. This is why we've been concentrating our efforts there. The reasons are you know first of all, um, uh, if you recall, I mean it's the second largest. Gold production region in the world after China, so it's not something you can avoid. In terms of you know, if you want to invest in gold, you can't just say you know I'm not interested in West Africa when it's the second largest uh, gold region uh, in the world. Uh, second, it's been for the last ten years the biggest one in terms of discoveries. Uh, so you know, if you want to make organic growth, you know those are the areas you want to focus on. Uh, so you know, those those were two you know critical areas. The third one is clearly what we've seen is. Uh, if you are agile and if you are able to uh, understand your stakeholders, uh, you can go fast and at low cost. And that's what I think we, what we've been demonstrating over the years and the years. Uh, you know, each time we've built a mine, whether it's Hyundai or ET over the last few years, you know, we came out, you know, on time, on budget. And each time probably, you know, it took us, you know, 40%, 30% cheaper than building the same project in North America and probably took us about half the time uh, in terms of lead to construction and to, uh, and to first Gold poor compared to you know, North America or Australia. Uh, so yes, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very, very attractive area uh, for uh, discovering, building and
1: operating. How do you feel about the public markets? Again, in environments like this, emotions come to play, right? And decision-making gets affected by not just investors, by retail investors, by institutional investors, but also you know, the boards themselves would you if you did this again, would you run it as a public company
0: <laughs> Well, you know, I think it all depends on uh, uh, what's your ambition uh, you know being a listed company helps you uh, you know grow quickly uh, you know your uh, your business uh, if you think about it uh, less than six years ago, uh, we were a two hundred fifty million dollar market cap company uh, you know we 're now about six billion dollar company uh, Integrated into the FTSE 100. Uh, you know, in order to do that, uh, given the amount that is invested in the business, uh, we invested probably over a billion dollar uh, in capex and exploration. Uh, you know, you can't do it just with uh, you know private funds. Uh, so uh, the market has been, from that perspective, has been efficient. You know, to help us grow quickly. Uh, now it comes also with some downside. Uh, you know, volatility, uh, which is uh, not easy. But I think where we've been mitigating that is having, you know, two strong shareholders uh, that have been backing us, you know, since the beginning. But so when you've got, you know, uh, close to 30% of your register, which is controlled by, you know, two entrepreneurs, uh, it helps you keep, you know, an entrepreneurial spirit, uh, so that you remain lean, agile, focused, uh, and and really onto what is important for any companies, which is generating cash flow and returns.
1: Right, and and those those two. Main shareholders, they understand the the, the project um, personality, right? You know the the, the, the who you want to be. You want you want to be entrepreneurial in, in, in spirit, but obviously deliver on the numbers, which you have been doing quarter over quarter. Okay, um, which is great what about these institutional um shareholders do they do they like that do they are you getting any pushback from them in terms of the strategy do they want you to do m a because it's because it feels good it sounds good other people are doing it you mentioned Yamana Goldfields. feels it it, it um, captures people's attention whereas the kind of organic growth it's quietly steady getting steadily getting on with the business of doing business but it doesn't have that sex and sizzle to it so what w- do you come against? Come up against it's that?
0: It's a very good question, um, and and you know my my experience is um, you've got um, very often you've got conflicting strategies between your own shareholders, uh, in particular investment funds. Uh, so what you need uh, is to make sure that you have your own you know vision, uh, and hopefully that aligns with the one you want to attract. Give you one example, you know, some people will tell you, oh, do buyback, don't do dividends. Either will tell you, do dividends, don't do buybacks. Others will tell you, uh, don't edge because I want the full exposure. I mean, to the gold upside. But those which are saying that are exactly the same ones which are selling your stock when gold price is going down, uh, and therefore they're not there anymore. You know, when you're going into the downturn. So I think what's very important is to be very very strong on what are your priorities. Outline your priorities and then be sure that, you know, the right investors, you know, are coming uh, and in your register uh, because otherwise the the difficulty or the mistake is trying to follow, uh, you know, the flavor of the day in the market, uh, because the flavors change, you know, every time Uh, remember 10 years ago, it was all about size, you know, be bigger, be bigger, be bigger. I mean, uh, returns were just uh, miserable. I mean, it was a, it was absolutely a disaster for the industry. Uh, so, uh, you know, people shouldn't have listened, you know, to investors telling them, be bigger just for the sake of being bigger. So I think we need to look at, you know, gold mining companies as any other companies that can compete with other sectors. Uh, so all about, you know, returns being properly managed, uh, cash flow generation and rewarding shareholders. If you do that, you know, like any other business, no reason why investors shouldn't be attracted by your proposal.